Well, good morning. We're here. That's right. You really don't know how easy it would have been to have not been here this morning. <laughs> oh, me. Thank you, Jesus. It's good to, uh, good to make this next, this next move. I'm going to, I've been in, a, started a series a couple of weeks ago about the supernatural ways of God. And I'm, so I'm going to talk a little bit about potential, thinking about this building and um, not really so much the potential for the building, but the potential for people's lives, um, for what God can do, what God wants to do, but the opportunity to have a place where we can um, facilitate some of that. But let's do this first. I want us to read out of um, the Gospel of Luke, and I would like for all of us to read it together. So we're going to Wax Episcopalian. If you'll stand back up, let's read this together out loud. That means words come out of your mouth. So it was that while he was serving as priest before God, in the order of his division, according to the custom of the priesthood, his lot fell to burn incense when he went into the temple of the Lord. And the whole multitude of the people was praying outside at the hour of incense. Then an angel of the Lord appeared to him, standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. Let's read verse 13 again. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, your prayer is heard, and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you shall call his name John. You can have a seat. So what we're looking at is we're looking at the supernatural activity in the life of a couple, Zacharias, a priest, and his wife, Elizabeth. Elizabeth was barren. She considered it a curse. They had prayed for years to have a child, and they had given up. So that sort of sets the stage. But when I'm thinking... You know, earlier I mentioned this in the facility. Here we, we see the potential that we have. And if you had seen it six months ago, you may have wondered, what are they thinking? Um, actually, this is owned by Mantissa Corporation, and three quarters of this room used to be in their warehouse. And so, um, Andy Fortenberry, who's the owner and has become a friend of ours, had enough. He believed in my vision, basically. So they moved this wall way over and rearranged their whole warehouse so we could be here. Now tell me that's not an amazing man with an amazing heart. But if you had walked in here and looked at this place, you would have thought, mm, I'm not sure. But you need vision. Um, so there's this relationship between potential and vision and one more ingredient, and that's faith. Potential and vision and faith. You have to believe, uh, you, you, really you have to see someone do something, you 
don't really know you could do. And that begins to show you what your potential is. Basically, anything anybody else do, you could probably do too, if you know how they did it. But it always takes faith. Um, we thought this, uh, we thought this would be a $200,000 project. Um, it was a $300,000 project. And the wonderful thing about it was God kept providing. If someone would have told us last November we needed $300,000, I would have said, well, I think we'll probably just disband, go do something else. Because <laughs> we didn't have a third of that, quite frankly, this time last year. But the Lord won't tell you everything that's going to happen to you because you won't go do it. <laughs> and that's good news, bad news, nevertheless. That's the life we've chosen, and this is the life we lead. Um, but being in here this morning, I think it's easy to begin to envision just possibilities of what God wants to do in your kids' lives, in your life, in basically the three to four different generations that, uh, that gather here together. Now, when I think about the word potential, I think about the word potent, and I think about the word potentate. So potential is that which is possible. To be potent means you have great power, influence, or effect. And the word potentate is a description of one who possesses great power and authority. It actually comes from the word dunamis. You shall receive dunamis. You shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you. You find that in, in, in the book of Acts. But the Lord is called the only potentate. First Timothy 6.15, he who is blessed and only potentate, the King of kings and Lord of lords. So here's where I'm going this morning. We, we realize what is possible by discovering that we are potent because the potentate lives inside us. That's what it is to be a believer. You have someone taking up residence inside of you that's good and powerful. Now, we see in the Gospels through the life of Jesus what it is to live a normal life. Now, that's the part that um, challenges us. Everyone in the world up to Jesus was subnormal or abnormal. Jesus lived the only normal life. Now, there's part of what Jesus did nobody else could have done but Jesus, and that's the redemptive aspects of the gospel. No one else could die for our sins, and no one else could do what he did in that category. He was the only person who ever qualified, sinless, uh, born of a virgin, the whole Apostles' Creed concept of who Jesus is. But the rest of his life was a demonstration of what it is for a person to live by the power of the Holy Spirit. In a very real way, Jesus demonstrated the life any person can have if you get to know the Lord well enough. That's the gospel. That's an aspect of the gospel we need to emphasize. Now, um, when, when you read that Section in Luke, there's, there's so many, there's so many great things in there. One thing we discover is that Zacharias was at the right place at the right time. I believe, um, I know a lot of the reformed people talk a lot about, uh, the sovereignty of God. I really don't understand the sovereignty of God, quite honestly. Um, 
I think anybody who really understands the sovereignty, I think there's one person who does. That's the Lord. He understands that stuff. We talk about it. We believe in certain aspects of it. I grew up Presbyterian. I believe in it. Maybe some. I'm not sure. But here's something for sure. There are times in every person's life when God will simply put you in the right place at the right time to meet the right people for something significant. I really believe that. I believe we're in one of those seasons right now. Matter of fact, by faith, I just release that Kairos season where things that wouldn't happen will happen. Things that were in the way will move out of the way. Relationships that haven't been connected will be connected destinies that God has foreordained that have yet to be participated in will be entered into by that sovereign Kairos activity of God. That's really good, Robin. Right place at the right time. Now, one of the things you notice, the minute supernatural stuff happens to Zacharias, he gets scared and the angel tells him not to. And so fear is really a big obstacle to everyone's faith. Listen, you are always going to have to deal with fear to take that next step. It's just the way this thing, it's, it's, it's the nature of our, our lives. Every time God begins to do something new, there's an opportunity to be afraid and not go, not go on with it. I don't want to live that way. Hey, I was 59 years old when we decided to leave a comfortable pastorate and do this. I've had people say, wow, you're brave. And I'm thinking, brave's got nothing to do with it. Fear. Now, that's that's a fear of the Lord. That's a different. You know, when the Lord asks you to do something, he's inviting you into something amazing. He really is. Who in, No one in their right mind would ever say no to God ever under any circumstances. I mean, the Lord I know is, even if you trip and fall in a mud puddle, you'll come out with a Rolex. If he told you to go. I mean, somehow, the thing I know about the Lord, there is always our best interest. There's always at least, let me put it that way, our best interest involved in the will of God. Now, it won't look like it. He, he hides that pretty well. He wants, you know, this trust thing is big with God. I mean, he could have told me, hey, listen, yeah, I got plenty of money. I'll dole it out whenever you need it. Go ahead and get that building. That would have been a lot easier. He never said that. But, you know, honestly, I worried about certain things, mostly practical. How do you get things done? One thing I never worried about was money. And here's why. The Lord told me to do this. Really, I know the difference. And if he told me to do it, and it costs a lot of money. That's just really just not my problem. Now, the logistics might be, and that's the headache part, but I never really worried about the finances. And honest to goodness, you guys did above and beyond. You're, and oh, I'm, I'm, I might cry. I have to stop talking about that, but you just did such. Our finances never slowed down, even though for four months we didn't have kids ministry and we met for an hour. Never slowed down. Actually sped up. That doesn't make any sense. You're getting less and giving more. But I think you had vision. I think you knew we were heading somewhere. Now, fear. It's an obstacle. 
Now, when Zechariah served at the altar of incense, there were thousands of priests in Israel. You got one opportunity to do that in your entire career as a priest. The one time he did that, an angel happened to show up. Right place, right time. Let's ask the God, let's stop. Let's ask God for right place, right time. Right place, right time. Favor means God did something for us he didn't do for somebody else. I like praying about that. Lord, do something for me you didn't do for somebody else. Not because, but just, I know you do that. You know respect for persons, but sometimes you give favor that makes no sense. Lord, we ask for that. I, I want us to do so well, people will look at us and go, I know that guy. That's got to be God. That's a good, that's, that's a good line. This kid's having fun. <laughs> I just love these kids. How do you love these kids up here just getting in the way and making a racket? It's awesome. It's awesome. So once in a lifetime, he serves at the altar of incense in the temple. That's the designated ecclesiastical place of prayer for the whole nation. Altar of incense. You may not know much about this, but the altar of incense was one of the pieces of uh, liturgical, ecclesiastical furniture in the temple. And it represents prayer. Just say that word, prayer. So, Zacharias is at the place of at the hour of, and the whole multitude is outside, and an angel shows up and he says, your prayer is heard. And the sense of what the angel is saying is this, the prayer you no longer pray is heard. Look in the Passion Translation in the Gospel of Luke. The prayer you have given up on is heard. The prayer you don't have faith for is heard. You know, their prayers you have offered, you know, um, this idea about weeping, brokenhearted prayers, uh, Spurgeon said, uh, tears are liquid prayers. Tears are liquid prayers. God keeps them in a bottle. They're things you have wept over, your kids, your mates, your situation, whatever. They're things you've wept over. Those prayers are still alive. You gave up on them because you couldn't answer them. But then if you could answer them, what were you praying about? That's a good, that's a really good word. I just came up with that on the spot. That's tweet worthy. <laughs> prayers have a longer shelf life than we realize. There are prayers you have uttered, you have given up on that the Lord hasn't answered yet. Because the time is not right. How would you like for the best days of your life to be behind you? Would you rather have them before you? You know, the best days of your life are always in front of you when you trust the Lord and do the things he wants you to do. They're always there. They're always coming. And their prayers, listen, their prayers you have prayed, you have given up on. Their shelf life is good. God's going to answer those prayers. So that's what's going on. It's really sort of a, a funny picture. There's the priest who's prayed these prayers he's given up on. 
He's at the altar of incense during the time of prayer. It says the whole multitude is outside praying. It's three in the afternoon. It's what they do every afternoon at the temple. And the angel shows up and says to this guy, your prayer's heard. And he starts arguing with the angel. Altar of prayer, time of prayer, people praying. He says, your prayer's heard. And he goes, no, nah, it's impossible. And the angel says, no, it is possible. I'm always in the presence of the Lord. Matter of fact, it's so possible. Here's what we're going to do. You're not going to be able to speak until the child's born. He was struck dumb with goodness right there, I think. Plus, he couldn't speak too much unbelief and sort of mess up the process. That might have been in there anyway. But Zacharias experienced one of those kinds of time, right place, right time, right situation, right season, the whole thing. A perfect time for a supernatural exchange of life. Something could happen that would mark him that literally changed a nation. And it was the birth of his son, John the Baptist. Jesus said that John the Baptist was basically the greatest prophet since Elijah. John the Baptist didn't happen to know that. You know, this whole thing about you have to know who you are to fulfill your destiny, it's really not necessarily true. John the Baptist didn't know who he was, and he fulfilled his. Right? You know, some of the psychological stuff we use works, and some of it doesn't work, and we just try to figure stuff out. But you don't even have to know you who you are to be happy, successful, for God to use you. Do you know that? You could just be one of those dumb people that shows up at the right place at the right time when the right stuff happens. God does amazing things, and you're dumb as a post. You're just sort of happy you know Jesus, and you're just moving on. That's awesome. I like that life. I don't want to have to do this right to get it right. Matter of fact, I haven't done it right. To get it right. Now, this this building, I want to talk about this just, just for a second. You know, the Lord is, uh, what is uh, Mahesh Chavda says, one of the names of the Lord. You know the Lord, the Jehovah Jireh, Jehovah Sid, can you? Mahesh says another name for him is Jehovah Tricky. For six years, we were, we were at the Visualite. The last three years, we met in the mornings instead of the evenings. And we had a building across the street that we used for really for the kids and offices. And that's really when the church began to grow because we could minister the whole family. And um, But the problem was, number one, you don't get a 6,000-square-foot building almost in downtown Charlotte for $2,000 a month unless there are um, strings attached. And the strings attached were they wouldn't fix anything except the roof. And we had to sign a, an agreement that we could give them a 60-day notice and leave and they could give us a 60-day notice and leave. And they call that a three-year lease. Somehow it's a 60-day lease when it comes right down to it. But um, and so I have, I have been in 100 buildings in Charlotte, literally. I looked through the window, walked in them, talked to real estate agents. I, I have not been able to find a building. I've been looking for six years. Because I knew the day was coming where we're going to have to have something much more than what we had at the Visualite.
So some of you may be familiar with Danny Silk um, from Bethel and now Jesus Culture, but I was in the car listening to a podcast by Danny Silk. And Danny Silk in the podcast was saying, you know, some people won't do the next thing they're supposed to do unless, like the children of Israel, Pharaoh's army is behind them, chasing them into the Red Sea. They just won't do it unless they don't have any choice. But that's oftentimes what the Lord will do to put you in the next thing you're supposed to be doing. So I'm listening to that. The phone rings. I turn it off. I answer my phone. And this real estate broker, the real estate broker says, we want the building back. And I go, Egypt, Red Sea, us, right now. We are 60 days from destruction. That was in November. So uh, we started praying and looking. And my real estate agent, who's also become a friend, it's really wonderful the things the Lord's done. He brought me 22 properties to look at back in November. So I looked at 22 properties and no one was slightly interested in having a church in any of their buildings. Now, um, craft beer, that'd be good. I mean, honestly, that's who's getting all the good old bills, the craft beer people. So I looked at all these, and one of them was um, two doors down, owned by Mantissa. Actually, Mantissa, Andy Fortenberry is a retired owner of Mantissa and his son, uh, oh, David Fortenberry is, is, is the retired owner. Andy Fortenberry is his son, runs the business now. But years ago at Morningstar, we had rented a building from him two doors down, and, and that was one of the buildings my agent came up with. And I'm thinking, oh, this is crazy. Go back to Presley Road. I wasn't even trying. What is up with this? So we negotiated not for that building but the one across the street, and they decided um, – that wasn't going to be the best fit. And that was real estate agent to real estate agent. And so I thought, but the real estate agent, their agent, uh, was not the least bit interested in getting me in touch with the ownership of any of the properties because I was going to try to call him up and talk him into it. So we, we needed a place. It was the only place. So I uh, snuck around and got a phone number and called over there, and the retired owner of the company who's never there, right place, right time, the retired owner of the company who's never there, who never answers the phone, picks up the phone. And he and I strike it off. I make that reconnection from the years we rented the building he had across the street. We were good renters. And then he tells me this. He says, you can't have either of these buildings. He said, but I've got another building that's not even on the market. That's the one one we're sitting in. Right place, right time, right person. Now, here's something else I cannot fail to mention. I had our people praying, and I had a couple of other people around the country praying. One of them was Bill Johnson. And Bill Johnson told me, he felt that a friend would help us with a building. Well, I can honestly say the owner of Mantissa and his son have really responded to us like friends. 
they bent over backwards to, to, to help us get in this building. We have, we have a lot to be grateful for, ladies and gentlemen. We really do. We really do. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you've ever looked like I have looked for, for, for years. And you know, I can see now, and, and I think we need to pay attention to this, I could have possibly pushed my way into some of those buildings but we can also push our way into things we don't have any business doing. I talked to the architect when we started this construction, and he said, I said, how many weeks do you think it would take to get in that building? He said, oh, probably six or eight. Took four months plus. And we had all kind of problems. Um... I'm not going to get into that because that's over in the, that complaint zone. But this one thing I know, we are in the right place at the right time for the right purpose for what God wants to do. And I really, I want, yes, that's true. That's true. I have started churches before God didn't ask me to start. And they were very hard. To lead. This is something he's doing. And, and I, don't, I don't say that lightly and I'm not saying anything about anybody else. This is something God has initiated. That means there is widespread opportunity for many people who feel called to be in this place to find things for your life you may not have been able to find at other times at other places. Because we're sitting at the right place at the right time, having met the right people who could enable us to do what we're doing right here, right now. I'm, I'm telling you, that's the God we serve. He's got a lot of bad press. He really has. He's wonderful. He's, he's loving, he's kind. The fruit of the Spirit aren't something we should, are supposed to strive for. Those are the, that's the personality of Jesus. That's the character of God. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. See, he not only wants to enable us to do supernatural things, he wants, to live, he wants us to lead a kind life. I think one of the problems with a lot of Christianity, particularly Facebook Christianity, is everybody's mad about something in the name of the Lord. It's crummy. It's terrible. It misrepresents God. He is not mad. I don't think, you know, in some ways I don't think he's mad at anybody. And that's probably not right theologically in some regard. I could give scripture to denounce my own position even as I speak. But what I'm saying is, if God is the kind of God who to reconcile people to himself would offer up his own son, what kind of God is he really? Is he the one he's been represented to be like? Or is he this awesome, marvelous, generous, kind, loving, patient father? 
Father. That's the thing that struck me so many years ago. Jesus never got the name of God right. He didn't use Jehovah anything. This teaching went around years ago that you need to use the right word for God or you're in trouble with him. Jehovah, Yahweh, Jehovah, you know, all this stuff. Jesus used this one term 105 times it appears in the Gospel of John. Father. Our Father who's in heaven. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done in earth as it is in heaven. That's who he is. He's good. He answers prayer. We release those prayers, Lord. We release faith this morning to people who've given up on you. Who've given up on their deeply needed answers. We release faith to be energized in their hearts. Confidence again to arise, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Is there something else? Hey, let's give it up for Andy. He did a great job this morning. Yeah. I feel a little bit overwhelmed this morning. Um, I have my own personal history and journey with this church in the last 11 months. It's very, very interesting uh, on my my first week that I I landed here, <laughs> Robin told me that we had lost the building across the street <laughs> from the visual light, and so from there we just we just entered into this big faith project, and you know that's hard do, doing that with somebody that you know very intimately, and so Robin and I were learning one another in in the process of doing this thing together, and. Um, I just, I, I just want to be really honest with y'all today. I just, I feel my heart exploding this morning with love for Robin and Donna, and I just felt like, I just want to honor them today because, y'all, today we are literally sitting in a miracle. This is a miracle that God did for us. But in the Gospels, there's a couple of passages where Jesus is preaching to people, and he says, uh, <clears throat> the the disciples come and they say, hey. These people are hungry, Lord. And Jesus said, okay, go ahead and feed them. You know, and they had, they didn't have the resources. And he, he didn't, he didn't take their request and go, okay, I'll do this for you. You know, he said, go ahead and feed them. And they were stumped by that at the time. So in his great graciousness, he helped them along the way, you know, but, um, but I feel like Robin and Donna are miracle makers, you know. They, they have co-labored with Jesus in this. And I've watched these moments where the most difficult situation would arise. And Robin would just, he would be unshaken. He would be completely um, just, put, you know, God, Andy, God's got this. God's going to do this. Just believe, you know. <laughs> Isn't it nice when you have a friend who believes when you can't, you know? Like, we all need that, right? So, um, I'm, I, I, can we just give Robin and Donna a big hand, please? <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 
So, and again, we really appreciate y'all co-laboring with us in, in all of this. It's just, it's been a big team effort with everybody involved. And we're just so glad and thankful for, for y'all. And um, man, we're going to have to learn how to do church longer because it's not even 12 o'clock yet. <laughs> so, so um, but before I dismiss, I want to go ahead and invite the ministry teams up. If man, Robin was saying some things this morning about the Kairos moment. I, I just felt a heavy heavy impartation of the presence of God this morning for that. So if you've got something in your life that maybe you have prayers that have been sitting on the shelf, you've prayed a long time ago. And you know, Robin said it this morning, your prayers don't have a shelf life, you know, and you know, maybe they just need to be reactivated. So we'll go ahead and have the ministry team come forward. And uh, if you, if you want somebody to pray for you, um, just come come forward after we dismiss, but let's just stand together and I'll, I'll pray us out. Oh, you've got, yeah, yep. I wasn't going to say this, but I was sitting there and I felt like the Lord said, uh, you need to say it. I was like, I, I can say it next week. But the Lord said, no, you need to say it this week. I think it's important for me that I fell in love with Jesus uh, a block away. Not even a block away. That's where I sang my first songs. That's where I worshiped for the first time. That's why I became actually interested in Jesus at all for the first time in my life, in my adult life anyway, you know. And so for me, it's important. I was like, well, maybe this is just me. This is the Lord taking me back to something. I've grown and I've changed and I love the new person I am because a person is a river. A person is not a statue. You're in constant motion. I love the motion that I've been in, but I also love this idea that the Lord is bringing me back home. But it's a, it's a new home, though. I'm not going back to something old, but I'm coming home to something new. Something new and something that is renewing and something that is very good in the way my initial connection with the Lord was good. But it's also very good in the way that we're all growing and changing and becoming something new every single day. And so I feel like, I was like, Lord, this feels like a new season for me. Even this morning, I was like, I didn't, anyone, I didn't pray all summer. You guys pray? (laughs) Uh, No, I did. I did the help me, Lord, every day. It's valid, valid prayer. Help me, Lord, and the Lord's prayer will get you through some stuff, right? But, uh, but I thought today, I was like writing my stuff down, what I'm going to work on this week. And the top is like, pray. I want to spend time prayer. And then my dad comes in and the message is all about praying, you know? And I think that I was sitting there thinking, like, it's a new season for me. I feel like there's a homecoming for me as a believer, you know. But it's also something different, death and resurrection. The resurrection is always different than the thing that was alive before the death, you know. And we live in this constant cycle of death and resurrection. And Jesus' life, death, and resurrection is the picture of the way a whole world and all of life works. And the way we work and the way our lives work on micro levels and on the grand scheme, right? And so I felt that resurrection even this week of the coming home and coming back alive. Even this week, I thought, well, maybe this is just me. The Lord is speaking to me personally, and I'm excited about that. And I'm sitting there, and the Lord's like, no, I want you to get up and say that, because that's something I want to say to this church. That's a brand new season for this church. It's a brand new season, and it doesn't mean things are going to be easy, but there's people who have felt like you've been floating. Even if you haven't been in your spirit, you haven't felt you know, this place to land. And I felt like that for a long time, like I've had nowhere to land, nowhere to lay my head. 
you know. And I think that there's a lot of people in this city that we're connected to, that we love, who are also going to find a place to land here. And they're going to feel a real home here in this place. And so I think before the ministry teams come up, a lot of you need need to walk in this new season. You feel the Lord calling you into a new season. If you need that, come up and get prayed for. Let them pray the newness and the new life into you this morning. Is that all right? And you want to pray, Andy? Help me, Lord. (laughs) Oh, God. Lord, I just love moments like this. I love, I'm so glad and thankful for moments like this, Jesus, that after seasons of plowing, Lord, we get to eat the harvest. God, you told me one time that I had gotten really good at plowing, but that I had to learn how to enjoy the harvest. So I just pray for, I pray for our family in this room today, or that those that are still in that season of plowing, that you'd give them strength and peace in that, and that those that would be ready to pick the apples and the grapes, Father, that they would just be able to benefit and enjoy the fruit of their labor, Father. God, we just want to offer all of, all of the things that we've done for you, Lord. We just give them to you. And we ask you to multiply all of it. Because, Lord, more than anything, we long for your spirit to change our city. Lord, we long for your spirit to bring healing and peace to our city, Father. And we just stick our stake in the ground today. In this house of worship, Father, that we're going to be formed into a people who will minister the gospel of reconciliation to our city and beyond, Lord, and beyond. We thank you for this time in Jesus' name and all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, ministry folks, come on up. And the rest of you guys can come up for prayer.